Hi, this is David. Eating right is often hard these days, but eating better is easy with Factor's ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. With Factor, there's no prep and no mess. Their meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Plus, Factor is less expensive than takeout, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. What are you waiting for? Discover Factor's wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash living50 and use code living50 to get 50% off. That's code living50 at factormeals.com slash living50 to get 50% off. Thank you. Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Thinking for Results by Christian D. Larson, published in 1912. The attitude of kindness is one of the greatest states of mind. Kindness enlarges our inner awareness, thus promoting the enlargement and expression of life. It also creates the tendency to give one's best, and there is nothing that brings forth greater life and power so quickly and completely as giving your best in all things and at all times. Both the soul and the mind with all their powers and possibilities, tend to unfold themselves through the actions of a strong, whole-souled attitude of kindness. In fact, no one can begin to unfold a larger life and receive the greater richness from within until they begin to give, through the attitude of kindness, all that which they already have in their personality. And the more you give of the richness of your own life, ability, and power, the more you will receive from the limitless realms within you. However, giving is not giving unless it comes from the heart, and it must invariably be an act of expression for some great purpose. Your expressions, either of thought or action, will not open the way for inner unfoldment, unless you give richly through a fuller and larger expression, and in all such expressions you must feel kindly. Sympathy acts in close connection with kindness, and though it is an important state of mind, it is also a much abused state. There are few people who sympathize correctly. There is possibly nothing that interferes with correct thinking as much as misdirected sympathy. 
When we sympathize with anyone, we enter into a certain unity with that person's mind. We often imitate to a degree the mind that we unite with in this way. Two minds with but a single thought will imitate each other in nearly everything and will actually grow to look alike. It is therefore very important to know with what we should sympathize. When you sympathize with a person in distress, you will think a thought of distress at the time and will reproduce in a measure the same state in your own mind and possibly in your own life and personality. Many people have failed in life because they have sympathized too much with the weak and inferior side of those who have had misfortune. For example, when you sympathize with weakness, you are liable to become weak. When you sympathize with the wrong, you are liable to think that same wrong and possibly act it out in your own life. It's important then to understand the law that governs sympathy, which is this, that you enter into mental unity in some measure with everything with which you sympathize, and that whatever you enter into mental unity with, you tend to imitate and produce in yourself to a certain degree. We thus cannot afford to sympathize with everything. On the contrary, it is necessary to carefully select those things with which we may sympathize. When you sympathize with a person who is in trouble, do not think of the trouble or the pain or the weakness, but think of that something within them that is superior to all pain, that can eliminate all the trouble in their life. Then remember the great biblical statement that the one who is within you is greater than the one who is in the world. Make it a practice never to sympathize with the inferior side, but only with the superior side. This will not make you cold and indifferent, as many people suppose. For it is impossible for you to become mentally cold while being in touch with the very life of the soul itself, which is the very essence of tenderness, kindness, and love. In applying this principle, you will find that the more perfectly you sympathize with the higher, the finer and the stronger side of people, the more love you feel the more tenderness you express, and the more helpful you become in all of your efforts. Nothing is lost, therefore, but much is gained by training the mind to sympathize only with the true, higher side of human life. The person who is sick and in trouble does not want more tears. They have had enough of them. What they want and what they need is that sympathy that can banish all tears and reveal the way to emancipation, power, and joy. This being true, we must try to banish completely every form of morbid sympathy. It hurts everybody. It perpetuates weakness 
and keeps the mind in bondage to inferior imitations. When applying a higher form of sympathy, don't tell the unfortunate person that you are sorry. Tell them how to get rid of their sorrow. Then do something substantial to speed them on the way. This is the sympathy that is worthy of the name. Remember that right thinking cannot be promoted so long as we sympathize in the old-fashioned way. We cannot think constructively so long as we permit the mind to imitate the wrong, the weak, the inferior, and the destructive. We should give the mind something to imitate that has quality and superiority. In brief, we should train the mind to imitate the strong, the worthy, the superior, and the ideal, and thus cause all mental actions to produce the strong, the worthy, the superior, and the ideal in ourselves. For the mind invariably tends to create that which it thinks of most. In other words, we should all train ourselves to feel that we are superior beings, not superior to others, because we all are superior, but superior to everything that pertains to personal existence, superior to ills, pains, weaknesses, mistakes and failures, and superior to everything that is imperfect or undeveloped. Let us also remember that consciousness of this superiority does not produce vanity or egotism. When a person has really become conscious of the superiority of their true being, they are above all small and questionable states of mind. When you are superior, you do not have to make any display of the matter to prove it. It will show in your life and in your work and actions speak more eloquently than words. The principal reason why the attitude of superiority is so important is because it unites the mind with everything in your life and thought that has quality. It thereby gives everything in your mind and personality this stamp of greater worth. And it is a well-known fact that whenever we enrich our thought, or any expression of thought, we tend to enrich everything in our life, including those things that we produce through our work. This attitude of supremacy should refer to your own being only, to rule supremely in your own domain, and not interfere with the domain of anyone else. That is the true purpose of self-supremacy. And the value of self-supremacy is realized not only in its power to give the individual self-mastery, but also in the fact that when the mind feels that it is superior, it can more easily think its own thoughts, and thereby prevent the practice of imitating false actions or ideas. The mind that recognizes its own supremacy is a strong mind and will therefore seek to extend its power wherever an enlargement of life can be promoted. But to accomplish this, the mind must be positive, that is, 
every action of the mind should be filled, so to speak, with a thought current that tends to press on and on to the goal in view. A positive mind does not force its way, but wins because it is strong. Every mind becomes strong when constantly filled with thoughts that are positive and determined. To the attitude of positivity, we should add those of push and perseverance, because these two attitudes promote an increase of the results that are already being gained. There is nothing that succeeds like that which is constantly pressing on to greater success. When we proceed to think for results, we are filled with the spirit of advancement. Therefore, to increase the power of this spirit, the mind should cultivate a persevering attitude and should feel a strong desire to push forward into the ever-enlarging realms of perpetual growth. But in this connection, we must not forget courage and patience. It has been well said that we all could accomplish far more if we would only attempt more. But with the majority of people, courage generally fails when in the presence of great undertakings. However, if we add to courage, self-reliance and self-confidence, great gains will surely be realized. They are not sufficiently developed in the average person, though, because we depend too much upon environments, opportunities, and associates, and not enough upon ourselves. The great soul depends upon nothing exterior to themselves. Such a soul makes opportunities to order, and changes environments to comply with requirements. Such a soul turns adversity into a willing servant. It makes every obstacle a new path toward greater achievement. But no soul can become a great soul until faith in its own power has become unbounded. While we turn away from the lesser things of life, we should concentrate our whole attention upon the building up of the greater. That is a method that will give perfect freedom and continuous advancement to us all. Lastly, let me say that one of the greatest acts in life is forgiveness. So forgive everybody, even yourself. To condemn anything or anybody is a misuse of your mind. So long as you condemn the wrong, your mind is forcefully directed towards the wrong. The mental picture of wrong thus becomes more deeply stamped upon your subconscious and more thoughts and mental states will be created in the likeness of those impressions or pictures. These impressions will reproduce themselves in you, and this is how you tend to create in yourself what you condemn in others. The reverse of this principle is also true. That is that you tend to create and build up in yourself the good that you commend and appreciate in others. So always be generous with your appreciation, your gratitude, your praise for the good that you see among your friends, family, and fellow citizens.